your heart's desire is to be with us. So help us now as we look into your word to see the blessings again of God with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So like I just said in the children's message, that blessing of God with us is so big that even Jesus relied on it. Here's that verse that I mentioned. Jesus, the night before he was crucified, speaking to his disciples, said, You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. Isn't that neat? The blessing of God with us is something that even Jesus clung to. Since eternity passed, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit had enjoyed an unbroken relationship of fellowship with each other. And you know one of the amazing things about the Bible? It's that relationship that God wants us to be a part of. You think about that. Uh, and and you know, the huge problem is that we're sinners. And we talked about that communion. What, what has to happen in order for sinners to be with a holy God? We have to be cleansed. But it's amazing that the story of the Bible is that God looked down at us as sinners and loved us so much that he wanted to invite us into that relationship of God with us. And it's an eternity-long relationship. It's a pretty amazing deal. Now, last Sunday, I gave part one of this two-part sermon series entitled God With Us. The idea for this sermon series came up for me a long time ago as I was starting to notice these, these blessings of God with us in the Bible repeatedly. And I started to get this idea in my mind that I think the blessing of God with us is perhaps the biggest blessing there is in the Bible. So I decided to do some study on it. Now, I mentioned this last week. I'll just mention it again for those that weren't here last Sunday. But uh, I decided to research this. I wanted to find every single instance in the Bible where it says that God is with us. And I knew it was spoken of differently in different places. So the only way, or the best way that I could figure out how to find all of those cases was to get out my concordance. Uh, Concordance is a book that lists all the, the words in the Bible alphabetically. So I got out my concordance. I opened up to the with entries, and there are 5,912 of them, but I looked at every single one of them in the Bible to find these cases where it says that God is with us, and I found 207 verses or passages in the Bible that talk about this blessing of God with us, and and the reason I say verses or passages is because one of them that I found six times within one passage, it, it tells us the blessing of God with us, but I only counted that as one. Uh, and there are a bunch of other things that I didn't count in here. So when I say 207, it's actually probably more than that. Uh, and after doing my research on this, I would still say that the biggest blessing that the Bible tells us that we can have is the blessing of God with us. Although, let me make one, uh, one more statement on that. Uh, I'm not trying to suggest that the, the blessing of God with us is bigger than the blessing of the gospel. In fact, one of my pastor friends and I, we had this discussion. Which is a bigger blessing, God with us or the gospel? And, and my conclusion is that they're so intertwined that it's really talking about the, the same blessing in many ways. Um, and here's how I would say it. I often talk about the gospel message this way. God loves us so much that he saw that we were sinners, so he sent Jesus to die for our sins that anyone who receives him as Savior and Lord can have complete forgiveness of sins and an eternity-long relationship with him. So you see, you could say that the purpose of the gospel message is God's heart's desire of wanting to be with us. So what I would say then is that this blessing of God with us, when understood rightly within the context of the gospel, it is the biggest blessing that we have in the Bible. The God who created the universe, the God who created you, wants to be with you. 
for eternity. He doesn't want anything to get in the way of a relationship with you. So he sent his son Jesus in order to make that happen. Now our response is to be the response of faith, and we'll talk about that today. So what I want to do today is finish up what we started last Sunday. Last Sunday we looked at the Old Testament occurrences of God with you. Not all of them, but, but some of them. Today we're going to look at the New Testament, and again we're not going to look at all of them, we're just going to pick out some of them. And in fact, a, a little differently today, um, the way I want to walk through the New Testament is I want to show you four different ways that the New Testament talks about this blessing of God with us. So the first blessing is God is with us in Jesus. Now, just a quick note here. When I say us in, this, in my four main points today, God is with us, I'm talking about those who have received Jesus as Savior and Lord. Okay? These blessings of God with us are obviously not for those who have rejected Jesus. The blessings of God with us are for those who by faith have received Jesus as Savior and Lord. But then the blessing stands. God is with us in Jesus. Last Sunday, one of the last Old Testament verses I, I showed you was a prophecy from Isaiah 7.14. Remember that one about how the virgin will be with child and they will call him Emmanuel, which is the Hebrew word that means God with us. Well, fast forward to the very first chapter of the New Testament and we see the fulfillment of that prophecy in Matthew 1.20-23. I hope you can read that. It's a little small up there. But this, so this is an angel speaking to Joseph. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And just a little pop quiz here. What does the name Jesus mean? I haven't heard it quite yet. Somebody who's got it? The Lord saves. There we go. The name Jesus means the Lord saves because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So God so deeply wanted us to know his desire to be with us that he sent Jesus to make that happen. So the good news of the gospel for sinners like you and me is that God wants to cleanse us so we can be with him forever. Again, that's what we mentioned at communion. We can't be with God unless we are cleansed. So God sent Jesus to cleanse us so we could be with him forever. That's restoration. Remember last Sunday we talked about Adam and Eve, how they had fellowship with God in the Garden of Eden. But when they sinned, God banished them from the Garden of Eden and that fellowship with God was broken. Now in Jesus, we see the restoration of that fellowship that God wants us to have with him. And, and the story is amazing of how, how much God wanted us to be with him. Think about this. He sent his son, not just like for a day. He didn't just send Jesus to come down here and you know do a whole light show and that sort of thing and then go back up to heaven. He lived here for 30 some years. And at the, near the end of his life, for about three years, Jesus walked around in the period that was called his public ministry. And what did Jesus do during those three years? Twenty-three times in the Gospels it's reported, and there's probably a bunch more that weren't reported, but twenty-three times in the Gospels, Jesus was talking to people and said, follow me. And there were a group of those followers that Jesus picked out that got to be extra close to him. In Mark 3, 14, uh, that should say 14 to 15, it says he appointed 12, designating them apostles, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Do you see what job number one was for those disciples? 
They had lots of other important things that they were supposed to do, but job number one for them was just simply that they would be with Jesus. And again, getting back to this little project I did where I looked for all the occurrences of God with us in the Bible, there were a whole bunch of times where it said Jesus did something with the people, and I didn't count those because there were so many of them. Uh, I, I probably could have had a lot more than 200, I know I could have had a lot more if I would have counted them, but Jesus literally walked around with his followers for a period of time. And what happens when people spend time with Jesus? They become more like him, right? And that's the goal of discipleship, is that we would become more like Jesus. Now think about that. In, in one sense, with any human relationship that we have, as we spend time with each other, we start to sound like them and maybe think like them, for better or for worse. Some of you have seen this. You, you spouses out there, can you attest to this, that sometimes you, you think and talk like your spouse does? Um, and that's true with Jesus, but it's even more true because God himself is at work in our hearts to make us more like Jesus as we spend time with him. So that's, I think that's a huge part of the reason why Jesus spent so much time on earth and then when he did his public ministry that those people walked around with him because as we spend time with Jesus, we become more like him. Now it's interesting, those same apostles, after Jesus rose from the dead and went back up to heaven, they changed the world. The book of Acts tells the story about how they changed the world. And they were starting to ruffle some feathers with the religious leaders of their day. And remember, there was a time where there was this, uh, this disagreement among, I think it was Peter and John, and then the other religious, religious leaders of the day. Peter and John had just healed somebody, and they were called in uh, to tell about what they were doing. They had been preaching in the name of Jesus. The religious leaders didn't like that, so there was this disagreement. But then look what the, it says of the religious leaders in... Um, Tom, the thing stopped working again here. You want to help me out here? We'll do the little clicky thing and then it'll work again. Okay, Acts 4.13 is the verse that we're looking for. Oh boy, where did I go? There we go. When they, that's the religious leaders, saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. So they saw something extraordinary about these men, and even they, who were closed to the idea of Jesus being the Messiah at that time, even they took note that these men had been with Jesus. See, being with Jesus dramatically changed their lives. And the same thing is to be true of us, that our lives are to be changed by being with Jesus. Because you see, the blessing of God with us is a blessing that God intends for us still today. Revelation 3.20, this is Jesus speaking. He says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him, and he with me. So this is Jesus' desire to be with us. He's knocking on the door. The door here represents our heart or our life, and the knocking implies that he wants in. But the knocking also implies what? You, when somebody knocks on your door, they're waiting for you to open that door. So the response that, from this verse that we are to have for Jesus is that we are to invite him in. And as I remember it, this verse was the most important verse for me to help me understand what it means to have a relationship with God. I, I remember hearing this verse and, and feeling like I felt Jesus knocking on the door of my heart. And, and somebody told me, if you feel him knocking on the door of your heart, open up and let him in. And it's interesting about this verse. Oftentimes we chop off the end of this verse, the part about, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. 
Uh, we leave the eating out. But what does eating represent? Eating with? A relationship, right? That's what Jesus wants with us. A relationship that is so personal and intimate that it's like he's sitting down at the table with us, eating with us. So I remember hearing that verse and thinking, boy, the God of the universe wants a 24-7 relationship with me. He's knocking on my heart, and my response is to, to open the door and to let him in. So that's what I did. Uh, and that's what I hope that you've done, and if not, that's what I hope you would do today. The blessing of God with us is a relationship. Now let me give an illustration of that. Uh, when Christine and I, uh, before we were married, we had a long-distance relationship. We actually had two months where we could both live in Fergus Falls during the summer. Um, but then after that, I was off to Iowa City, Iowa, to live there for the school year. And uh, it was shortly in that time where we got engaged. So for about eight months or so at that time, we were engaged, but we were living in different cities. And uh, there was a Chris Rice song called Smile, and I know I was taking it very badly out of context. I, I knew it every time I was singing it, but uh, the thought of the Chris Rice song was what I was thinking. There's a line in there that says, I just want to be with you. I just want this waiting to be over. And I remember thinking that about Christine and just thinking, I, I want to be with her. And you know, a long-distance relationship is good in that it, it, it forced us to be on the telephone and talk to each other and to get to know each other that way, and I'm very thankful for that stage of that relationship. But I was even more thankful when we could come together on May 21st, 2005. Did I get that right? Um, yes. Okay, good. Seven years. That, wait, no. What is it? Ten years. Um, I was even more thankful when we could come together and have the relationship because that's what we want. That's what we desire is a relationship. And that is what God desires with us. That's why he sent Jesus. That's why he knocks on our hearts and wants us to open the door so that he can be with us. We were created for fellowship with God. Our sin got in the way and caused a huge problem, but God fixed that problem by sending Jesus. So the amazing truth of the New Testament then is that if we have faith in Jesus, if we have received him, that our lives are connected to his life. Look how it's said in Romans 6.8. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. So there's two times in that one verse. This is the passage, by the way, Romans 6, 4 through 8. There are six times in there it talks about this connection that our life has with Christ. So if we died with him, what does that imply? Well, we were to die to sin. Up until coming to Jesus, we had lived in sin. We had chosen our own path. We had turned our backs on God and we had turned towards sin. But dying with Christ means that we turn our backs on sin, we confess our sin to Jesus, and we receive Jesus as Savior and Lord, and we actually receive new life. That's that second part of the verse. If we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. And by the way, that verse isn't just talking about when we get to live with him in heaven. That's talking about our relationship with him now. And one of the verses I want to show you on that is three verses later in 6.11 where it says, In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. That's for right now. That old life of sin, we turn our back on it. We count ourselves dead to it. And think about that. Next time you're tempted by sin, recognize that it's death that there's nothing in there that's of real value for you. And I know that's hard because sin looks tempting, but think about that. It's so awful that the Bible calls it death, and we are to count ourselves dead to it, 
And instead, we are to count ourselves alive to God in Christ Jesus because we have new life with him in this relationship with him. That's God's desire for us, is new life in him. It's a relationship in which we don't live for sin, we live for Jesus. Just like it's said in our benediction verse, Colossians 2.6, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. And literally, that phrase, live in him, could be translated as walk around with him. I didn't even count that as one of my 207 verses, but it could be. Just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk around with him. That's our new life in Christ, is a life with Jesus. Okay? So that's our first point today. Our second point today is God is with us in the Holy Spirit. Now it should be no surprise for you, especially for those of you that have been going to the adult Sunday school class on the Holy Spirit, uh, that this is where I would go because the Trinity is so united that to be with one is to be with all three. So there's most definitely a link between God being with us in Jesus and God being with us in the Holy Spirit. Jesus said so in John 14, verses 15 through 17. He said, If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Do you realize that this is the relationship that God wants with us? Such a close relationship that the Holy Spirit actually lives inside of us. For those of us who received Jesus as Savior and Lord, we also received the Holy Spirit, which makes sense, right? If the Trinity is united, it makes sense that when we receive Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that everything we do is exactly what the Holy Spirit wants us to do, because sometimes we make really bad choices, but even so, the blessing of God with us is so strong that the Holy Spirit lives in us to lead us and to teach us. It says that Jesus asked for that very thing. Isn't that powerful? The reason that we have the Holy Spirit with us is because Jesus asked the Father that we would have the Holy Spirit with us. I think that's pretty amazing. And we can know him because he lives in us. And just a quick side note, uh, just a few verses later, in verse 23 in that chapter, it says that not only does the Holy Spirit live in us, but also God the Father and God the Son will make their home with us. So all three members of the Trinity, remember that one, John 14, all three members of the Trinity are said to make their home with us, to dwell in us. And then later on in John 14, we see a couple of the benefits of having the Holy Spirit with us. Jesus is still speaking. All this I have spoken while still with you. And think about that. The disciples got to live with Jesus for like three years, but then he told them that he was going away. But look what he said next. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So the reason that God wants to give us the Holy Spirit is because of this relationship that he wants. But part of that relationship means that God will guide us and lead us. And if God guides and leads, what are we to do? We follow, right? Um, The blessing of the Holy Spirit with us is the blessing of a constant relationship with God. And that reminds me of an awesome prayer in Ephesians 3, 16-17. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he, that's the Father, He may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Again, do you see the Trinity here? The the Father strengthens us through his spirit, where? In us. So that Christ may dwell, where? In our hearts. 
This is the blessing of God with us, and all three members of the Trinity are actively involved in bringing this blessing about in our lives, in our hearts. So do you want that kind of life with God? Yes. All right. Way to go. Candy bar for you, if it's okay with your parents. I'll give it to you later. Do you want that life with God? If so, follow the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, how do we follow the Holy Spirit? That's kind of one of the million-dollar questions of the Christian life. Well, in Galatians 5, we're given two great pieces of advice here. Live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. And if you're still wondering how, well, here's one of the things I would say. The Bible is the Holy Spirit's book. Now, yes, it was written by over 40 human authors, but the Holy Spirit was there superintending the whole process, and you could even say is the author of the whole Bible. Now, the Holy Spirit wrote the book, and where does the Holy Spirit live? In us. So as we come before God with an open Bible in our hands, we can talk to the author in our heart. We can, we can meet with God by reading his word and submitting to it and keeping in step with the Holy Spirit as we read. But that's, that's very different than just opening up a book and reading it. It's different because we're meeting with God in our hearts because that's exactly what God wants for us. Okay, move on to our next point now. God is with us now. One of the things I really want you to get from this two-week sermon series that we've been doing is that the blessing of God with us isn't just a blessing for heaven later after we die. The blessing of God with us is a blessing for right now. And, And think of it this way. Many of the things that God asks us to do in the Bible would be impossible for us to do on our own, in our own power. God knows that. And that's why he wants to be with us to do it. There's a pretty cool instance of this in the Great Commission. Remember Jesus' Great Commission, again, after he's resurrected, but before he went back up into heaven, he told his followers, go and make disciples of all nations. Pretty huge task, right? Up until that point, you could have counted the followers of Jesus by using hundreds. But at the Great Commission, Jesus said that his intent was that the followers of Jesus would mass multiply over the face of the whole earth. And he was telling this to the very people who had just a few weeks before had left him all alone. How in the world could that group of people do that? Well, do you remember what Jesus said at the end of the Great Commission in verse 20 of Matthew 28? And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus gave them a huge task, but he also reassured them of his presence with them to do it. Do you ever feel like the Great Commission is such a huge task that you don't have the strength or the wisdom to do it? I think I feel that pretty much every day of my life. That I feel this, this burden of wanting people to come to know Christ and the burden of wanting to help people grow in their faith. And along with that burden, I so often feel inadequate. How am I going to be able to do this? But you know what? That's probably an okay place to be because it's not our power to do it. It's God's power with us. So do you want people to come to know Christ and to grow in their faith? then I want you to remember the blessing of God with us to strengthen us to do those very things. Whose plan is it that people would hear the gospel and come to Christ? It's God's plan, right? He's also the God, then, who will strengthen us to join with 
him in that. And we don't do it in our own power. We do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it really is that simple. And yes, there are difficulties, there are obstacles that we face in trying to fulfill the Great Commission. But if you're comparing an obstacle to the eternal God of the universe, which is bigger? So we trust in this blessing of God with us as we seek to make disciples. But the blessing of God with us isn't just a blessing that we have so that we can give it to others. That's a huge part of it. It's also a blessing for now for us to grow in our faith. So let me walk you through Colossians 3, 1 through 3. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. If we were to read just a few verses earlier in chapter 2, verse 20, it says that we died with Christ. So we died with Christ, we were raised with Christ, and our life is now hidden with Christ. Do you see what's going on here? Since all of that has happened, we should recognize that there is a power with us to help us to live the life that God wants us to live. Now that means that we need to make good choices because according to verse 2 up there, we could set our minds on earthly things. Anybody ever do that here? I, I think we all do it way too often. Uh, we, we understand some of the things that God has for us, those things that are above, but all too often we get caught up with the things of this world and we set our hearts and our minds on the things that are maybe right in front of us, the things that we can see and feel and touch. And don't get me wrong, God has given us things on this earth to enjoy, but we're never to set our hearts and minds on them, especially as opposed to setting our hearts and our minds on the things above, the things that God has for us. So yes, we need to be actively involved in this process. God is with us, but part of what that means is that he's urging us to seek the things that are above, the things that are more important. And then I want to point out that phrase, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. That, that is an amazing truth. Um, I call this my second favorite verse in the Bible, uh, Colossians 2, or excuse me, 3, verses 3 and 4, which we'll look at next. But our life is now hidden with Christ in God. What does that mean? I'm asking because I don't know. Um, I'm asking because I feel like it's just, it's a, a treasure box that I have just begun to open, but I, I don't know the fullness of it. But what I do know is that right now, the spiritual reality, if you know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, is that your life is hidden with him. And one of the things I know about that is that, for me, as I'm thinking about who I am, the most important part about who I am is that God is with me. And as I think about then the things that I want to do or the person that I want to be, I should think about who God is and who he wants me to be and recognize that my life is hidden with him. I, again, I think there's a lot more there, but I don't know all that's there. But what I do know is that we can rejoice in the fact that our life is with God even now. Let's move on to point number four there. Does anybody want to guess what point number four? If number three was God is with us now, what's number four? God is with us forever. Good job. Candy bars all around. You can buy them yourself and eat them yourself. <laughs> Isn't that great? What a blessing, huh? Buy your own candy bar. Um, okay, we just looked at Colossians 3, 1 through 3. Let's look at Colossians 3, 4 now, the very next verse. 
when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. I love that because it says Christ is our life. So right now, our life is Christ. But then when he appears at that time of the second coming, at the, the consummation of all things, we know that he's going to be in glory. We know that the Father has wonderful things for him. But it says that we get to appear with him in glory. That is God's plan. That's the place that he wants to bring all of us who know Jesus as Savior and Lord. You see, the blessing of God with us is to be a forever blessing. Jesus said so in John 14, 2 and 3. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Isn't that cool? Jesus is preparing a place for us to be with God in eternity. And amazingly, this blessing is for sinners like you and me. Let's look at how Jesus interacted with a sinner and told him about the blessing of God with us forever. In Luke 23, 41, remember Jesus was crucified next to two thieves? Uh, and they were talking with Jesus, and one of those thieves said to the other one, we are punished justly. They knew that they were criminals. He said, we, for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man, Jesus, has done nothing wrong. You see, sin deserves punishment. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. And by the way, in Romans 6, that's not just talking about a physical death, that's talking about eternal spiritual separation from God. So the only thing that a thief on the cross or someone like you and me can do is cry out to Jesus for mercy. And that's exactly what he did in the next verse in Luke 23. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. How is Jesus going to respond to such a request? Well, remember, this is Jesus and his plan as part of the Trinity is that God would be with us forever. And Jesus, seeing the heart of repentance from that thief on the cross, said to him, I tell you the truth, Today you will be with me in paradise. Isn't that amazing? A guy, a thief, that the world looked at him and said, we don't want you anymore. What you have done means we want you gone. We want you to be away from us. Like, I mean, that's exactly what they're saying. We don't want you with us anymore, walking around our streets, causing problems, committing crimes. We want you gone. But he repented. And what did Jesus say? You will be with me in paradise. That's the blessing of forgiveness that comes because of the blessing of God with us. Now I take great comfort in that verse. Um, oftentimes as I'm telling my testimony to people who knew me when I was growing up, I, I've, I've got this response from people. They said, oh come on Eric, you weren't that bad of a person. And, and truth be told, I don't think I ever did anything that really should have landed me in jail or anything like that. Uh, I think one of the worst things I did was I threw a baseball at my brother in anger from point-blank range and hit him in the back, so that was a pretty bad deal. Um, but a lot of people say, Eric, come on, you make yourself sound like a, a horrible sinner, and you weren't that bad. But I know the truth. I know the things that I said and thought and did. I know the things that I didn't do. And I know that I offended God multiple times. And as I think about that thief on the cross, I think about me. And the only thing that he could do was cry out for mercy to Jesus. And that's the only thing that I knew I could do, was to cry out to Jesus. And praise the Lord. The response of Jesus to sinners is mercy. And he shows us his desire to be with us forever. 
I am so glad that Jesus showed mercy to that thief on the cross because it reminds me that he shows that mercy to sinners like you and me. See, God knows that we're sinners and our sin would separate us from him forever, but he wants something better for us. Therefore, anyone who receives Jesus receives the blessing of God with us. And like I said, Jesus intends for that blessing to be a forever blessing. And then just like I said last Sunday, I'll repeat it again, the last two chapters of the Bible remind us of this God with us forever blessing. Revelation 21.3 says it this way. Now the dwelling of God... Let me say a note here first. Um, Ancient writers, they didn't didn't have caps lock, they didn't have italics, uh, they didn't even... the, The way that the Bible was written in the manuscripts that we have now, they didn't even have punctuation. It's like no exclamation points. So as they were writing and they wanted to emphasize something, what did they do? They repeated themselves. Look for the repetition in this verse. Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Three times in that one verse, the blessing of God with us. And two verses later, it says that God is making everything new. So think about that. God is preparing a place for all his children, for us to be with him forever. And in that place, there is no more sin, no more curse, and no more broken relationships with God. God with us forever. That's the blessing of the Bible. That's the blessing that God wants for all of us. For all who will receive him, receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. And then let's close this sermon real quickly by looking at two verses from 2 Timothy 2, verses 11 and 12. Here is a trustworthy saying, If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. Endure is an important word in the Bible. It means to remain under. It implies difficulty in life. Have you ever noticed that our lives can sometimes have difficult things that come our way? Can I get an amen from the congregation on that? Amen. Amen. All right, thank you. Has God given us anything to help us in those difficult circumstances? Yes, His presence with us. Look at that. If we died with Him, we'll also live with Him. If we endure, we'll also reign with Him. And those are blessings for now and for eternity. God wants to strengthen you and to be with you in what you go through. So the question I just want to ask you at the end of the sermon then is, do you want to be with God? God has done everything needed for us to have an eternity-long relationship with him. Jesus already died on the cross, rose again from the dead. He's in heaven. If we know him as Savior and Lord, our life is now hidden with him. Do you want to live that life? Or do you want to live the life that you can get on your own? God's desire is to be with you now and forever. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for what you have revealed to us about your heart's desire to be with us. Thank you, Jesus, that you came and made it happen through your death and resurrection that we could be forgiven and cleansed so that we could be brought into that eternity-long relationship with you, with the Father, with the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that we would endure, that we would set our hearts and our minds on things above, that we would live by the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit, that we might constantly know the blessing of God with us. And God, I pray that you would help us to turn away from sin. Help us to see it and to know that it's only death. 
And we pray that we would count ourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So God, we thank you for what you have for us, and we pray that we would walk by faith into all that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.